You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, today's Tuesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all of the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. My plans continue to be changed by the Tennessee Titans. I had planned on today's show getting into some of our season preview activities, but the Titans continue to pummel me and all of us with moves and news to talk about. So that's what we will do today. But for the rest of the week, to let you guys know and tease the upcoming content. On Wednesday, we will begin those season preview activities, taking a look at the Titans schedule from week one all the way to week 17, and I will be going through game by game, telling you win or loss for the Titans. We will cap off Wednesday's show, taking a look at some league-wide predictions, the awards, MVP, Comeback Player of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and I will predict all 14 playoff teams, along with who I believe will be the Super Bowl champion in 2020. In Thursday, although we have a new bat day, we have the same bat content. Crossovers have moved to Thursday. We will now have crossover Thursdays and we will bring on Cody Rock from the Locked On Broncos podcast and have him on for our Thursday episode. We will conclude the week on Locked On Titans on Friday, continuing our season preview, taking a look at my predictions for the Titans' offensive stats, defensive stats, my breakouts, my disappointments, my team awards, and also take a look at some fantasy-relevant Titans. So that is all coming up this week on the Locked On Titans podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed on Apple Podcast, following on Spotify, or whatever platform you do stream, as well as following me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans for schedule updates, additional content, including my Tic Tac Titan film breakdowns that will be going on throughout the season. With that all said, it is time to get into today's show. Jadavian Clowney was signed, but a member of the Titans 53-man roster had to be cut to make that room. Who got the axe and what does it mean? Coming up first, then we will talk about the Tennessee Titans unofficial depth chart that was released on Monday. My biggest takeaways from the offense, the defense, and why the biggest surprise of that unofficial depth chart came on special teams. And then we will round out today's show going over the team captains that were selected and announced by the Tennessee Titans on Monday. Jadavian Clowney is signed. A member of the Titans is cut. The unofficial depth chart is announced and Titans team captains today on the Locked On Titans podcast. Let's get it. Davian Clowney was in Tennessee in Nashville at the Titans facility on Monday evening to officially sign his contract. That means at this time, he is officially a member of the Tennessee Titans roster. One hitch, though, was that the Titans had to make room on that 53-man roster for Jadavian Clowney, and the reason for that is the Titans had to cut their roster down from 80 to 53 on Saturday, and during that process, they didn't want to lose a player or lose the rights to a player or have 
have to cut a player that they may want to keep if something bad happened with the Clowney signing, if the signing were to fall through. So you don't want to leave an empty roster spot on your team with two days remaining before you actually get the player in to sign his contract as you never know what could go wrong and what can go wrong will go wrong per Murphy's Law. So it made sense for the Titans to keep an entire 53-man roster even if they knew they would quickly have to make an open spot for Jadavian Clowney. But that left Titans fans to wonder once the Clowney signing became official, which Tennessee Titan that was just given the joy of making the active roster would quickly have that joy ripped away to make room for Clowney. There was some debate about who that could possibly be and at what position and what side of the ball. But ultimately, the player who was cut to make room for Jadavian Clowney was wide receiver Cam Batson. And this did come as somewhat of a surprise as the Tennessee Titans have clearly had strong feelings towards Batson since they got their hands on him in the 2018 offseason. Batson had played this would be his third season in the NFL, at least as a professional football player in 2018. He was with the Titans for 11 games. He only started two of those games, though. He had eight catches for 82 yards in 2018. And then in 2019, unfortunately, he was injured during training camp preseason time and missed the entire 2019 season. Well, the Titans clearly liked what they saw from Batson in 2018 and before his injury in 2019 as they signed him to an exclusive rights free agent deal early in the 2020 offseason. Batson had been somewhat impressive in camp. He is an undersized wide receiver, but makes up for that size with incredible speed and the Titans have someone like Khalif Raymond at wide receiver so it made sense they would want to double down and have someone who can replicate that speed for them in Batson also maybe provide some value in the return game if needed so Batson making the roster was not a surprise but his early cut here is a tad bit of a surprise and only because of some of the other options that seemed more likely to be cut before Batson would be first of all this leaves the Titans with only five wide receivers on the roster. A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Adam Humphreys, the previously mentioned Khalif Raymond, and then big-bodied wide receiver Cody Hollister. And the thing about Batson is, while the Titans did cut him from the active 53-man roster, they could still have interest in him. And if Batson does clear waivers later on this week, the Titans could ultimately add him onto their practice squad as they still have three open spots on that practice squad at this time. So let's talk about some guys who surprisingly did not get cut. And you have to look at the offensive line first. The Titans decided to keep nine offensive linemen and of course have a 10th offensive lineman with Isaiah Wilson waiting in the wings to join the team again. So naturally, you instantly look at a crowded offensive line group that will have 10 active members when Wilson returns, six interior offensive linemen, three tackles as part of the current nine. So those six interior offensive linemen. Two of them have minimal experience in an Aaron Brewer and a Daniel Murner. Seeing one of them cut in lieu of Clowney would have made a lot of sense. Likewise, running back centerized Perry and defensive back Chris Milton both were added onto the 53-man roster only because Dane Crookshank was put on injured reserve and Isaiah Wilson was put on COVID reserve. So obviously they were logical candidates.
candidates as well. And then Joshua Kalu is one of the back end of the roster defensive backs who I thought could have been cut for Clowney, but it turns out to be Batson. And once again, Batson could make the Titans practice squad if he does clear waivers. Batson's release and Clowney's signing had an effect on the Titans' unofficial depth chart that was also released on Monday night. So we are going to talk about the biggest takeaways on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and why the biggest surprise of the unofficial depth chart came on special teams. But first I want to tell you about rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing makes and models out there, it's basically impossible for any chain store to stock all of the parts that you're going to need. So why go through? all of the pointless conversations with the people working at the front of those chains when you could go on your computer or on your phone and have access to the entire rockauto.com warehouse right in front of you. One reason to repair or maintain your car is it's going to save you money for other more important things down the road. Also, we have gone to online shopping for a number of reasons as a society. It's more efficient. It's more cost effective. Also, with COVID-19, it's a much safer option as well. So just apply that philosophy to maintenance on your vehicle. One other thing is chain stores can have different price tiers for professional mechanics or just a do-it-yourselfer. You're never going to find that at rockauto.com. All the prices are same for everybody, and they're always reliably low. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box. Once again, there is a How Did You Hear About Us box right underneath your shipping information. Put locked on in there so they know that I sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. The Titans officially put out their first unofficial depth chart of the year on Monday. Let's take a look at it, dive into the offense, defense, and of course, the special team. So first, let's start with the offensive side of the ball, and not a ton of surprises here. Ryan Tannehill at quarterback, of course. Logan Woodside at the backup quarterback spot. Once again, congratulations to Logan Woodside, and I'm hoping that the Titans are right about that, and also hoping that we don't have to find out. At the running back position, of course, no surprises here either. Derrick Henry as your starter and your league back. Darrington Evans is listed as the second running back. Could have not been that way. One, because he's a rookie and he missed a lot of time there at the end of training camp. But obviously the Titans aren't playing any games or trying to send any messages. Darrington Evans is the second running back for the Titans. Third is centerized Perry. Wouldn't get too attached to Perry as I mentioned in our previous segment. Perry and Chris Milton were the ones who were added because the Titans had to put Crookshank on IR and had to put Wilson on the COVID IR list. So because of that, Perry got another opportunity to make the roster, but I would imagine that once one of those guys returned, he may be one of the first guys who who gets the cut. So centerized Perry at third string. Kari Blossom game at first string fullback, but they have him listed as the fourth running back. Makes a ton of sense. Not a big deal. Moving to the wide receiver group. No surprises here. The Titans have three wide receivers listed as starters. A.J. Brown, Adam Humphreys, Corey Davis. 
Crazy that uh, this unofficial depth chart has Cody Hollister as the backup for Corey Davis. That makes a lot of sense there. A.J. Brown, Khalif Raymond as his backup. And the Titans do have Cameron Batson on this unofficial depth chart as the backup to Adam Humphreys. Obviously, he is no longer available. I see Khalif Raymond as more of a uh, backup to Adam Humphreys than anything there if, if the Titans needed one. Moving into the offensive line where... One of our roster role battle series gets an answer here, and it's not really a surprise to anyone who's been following this show throughout training camp. All of the whispers, all the rumblings, all of the breadcrumbs led to Dennis Kelly, the Undertaker, starting at right tackle. Like I said, not really a surprise at the other four spots, Eiler, Lawan Saffold, Jones, Davis. Looking at the backups here, I guess one thing of interest is Daniel Murner is listed as a guard here, along with Jameel Douglas, and Aaron Brewer is viewed as the backup center. So that's something we need to take into account when monitoring the interior offensive line. Clearly, they view Murner as more of a guard and Brewer as more of a center. At this time, Jameel Douglas backing up Nate Davis at right guard. Ty Sambrillo is the backup tackle for both spots. Obviously, that'll change when Wilson is back in the fold. He will be that backup right tackle. Moving to the tight end spot, Jonu Smith, clearly the Titans starter. But this is, I guess, somewhat Interesting. Michael Pruitt is listed as the backup tight end, and that does make a lot of sense because if the Titans go to multiple tight end sets in a normal situation, we're going to have Pruitt out there. If it's a, a passing situation, you're going to see Ferkser. Now, of course, the Titans can't do that entirely because that would be tipping their hand to the defense as to what type of play they're going to be running, but it's just more likely to see Pruitt out there in more situations than you're going to see Ferkser out there. And then Jeff Swaim, of course, is the fourth tight end, almost an extension of the offensive line, uh, basically an offensive lineman in special teams purposes, so Swaim there thought he would make the roster, of course, because of that versatility and that value as a veteran. He did, and I didn't expect him to be a, a big factor in the Titans' offense, per se, but an extra blocking tight end, almost a third offensive lineman if needed on special teams. He can be helpful, so Swaim is there. That is basically everything on the offensive side of the ball, moving to the defensive side of the ball where we see a, a few more interesting things. The Titans' defense has Daquan Jones, Jeffrey Simmons, and Jack Crawford as the three starting defensive linemen. What is interesting here is Crawford is listed as a defensive end, so consider him in that five-technique spot. Daquan Jones is listed as a nose tackle, and his career really took off for the Titans when he got moved out of that traditional defensive tackle role and more of a nose tackle role. And then Jeffrey Simmons is listed as defensive tackle. So notice that the Titans don't have two, three, four defensive ends and a nose tackle. They have one defensive end, a nose tackle, and then a DT. So consider that when you think about the Titans' scheme on defense, they're very multiple. So you're not going to label a guy a 5-3 defensive end like Jeffrey Simmons when he's going to play three technique for you as a defensive tackle in your even front. Obviously, it's an odd front with five people on the offensive line, on the defensive line, and an even front with four people. So a 4-3 defense is an even front. A 3-4 defense is an odd front. 
And the Titans play both of those. Front multiplicity. Remember, that's something Vrabel talked about in his opening press conference when he got the job here. So that's why Jeffrey Simmons is listed that way. Jack Crawford would be a 3-4 defensive end or a 4-3 defensive end if the Titans went that way with Jeffrey Simmons being a 3-technique defensive tackle or that 3-4 defensive end opportunity as a, you know a defensive lineman with Simmons. So there are some differences there. And then their backups, also you got to take note of their backups, Lorel Murchison, the backup to Jack Crawford, then Matt Dickerson, the backup to Daquan Jones, and Isaiah Mack, the backup to Jeffrey Simmons, which makes sense because Isaiah Mack is that three-technique penetrating interior disruptor, undersized defensive tackle. Matt Dickerson is the big-bodied run stuffer up front, and then Lorel Murchison kind of blends the two. He's a bigger guy than Isaiah Mack, but still has some of that interior penetration, but because he has that additional size can be that defensive end role like Jack Crawford. He has mobility and size as a combination more than the other two backup defensive linemen. So that's interesting. At outside linebacker, Another super interesting note, and probably the most interesting on defense, is that Jadavian Clowney is instantly listed as a starter with Vic Beasley as his backup. I just gotta say, I bet John Robinson and Mike Vrabel were just so happy to be able to get Clowney in the building and put him over Beasley and just show Vic Beasley that he's nowhere near as important as he thinks he is and he's gonna have to do a lot more if he expects to get the kind of snaps and the kind of role that he needs for him to cash in and get a better contract next year. So, I know it's petty, but listening to Mike Vrabel and John Robinson, they got some petty to them, and I like it. The other outside linebacker spot, Harold Landry, Kamale Correa is his backup. No surprise there. Derek Roberson considered the fifth-string guy backup to all the other guys we mentioned at the inside linebacker spot. Rashawn Evans, Jayon Brown. Will Compton is Rashawn Evans' backup. That makes sense. Compton is more of a run stuffer, more of a physical guy. David Long is Jayon Brown's backup. Makes sense. David Long's undersized, quicker, more explosive athlete, and this is why Will Compton was brought in. Nick DeZubnar cannot fill that Rashawn Evans role. He can't fill the Jayon Brown role either, so they needed a fourth linebacker that can actually play some linebacker and not just special teams. DeZubnar obviously is at the back end of that five-man unit. Moving into the secondary, not a lot of surprises here. Adoree Jackson at one corner, Jonathan Joseph backing him up. Malcolm Butler at the other corner, Christian Fulton backing him up. Of course, Fulton is going to be the Titans slot cornerback based on what we've heard out of camp. And then the cornerbacks behind them, Chris Milton behind Butler and Fulton. Jackson behind Jonathan Joseph and Adoree Jackson. This is interesting because Chris Jackson was considered kind of a do-it-all defensive back coming out of college. Could play safety, could play corner. But the Titans clearly view him as a cornerback as that's how they have him listed. Moving to safety, though, Kenny Vaccaro, Kevin Byard, no surprise there. Amani Hooker backing up Byard. Josh Kalou backing up Vaccaro. That will be Dan Crookshank eventually as the backup strong safety. So Kalou needs to do everything he can to hold on to that roster spot. At special teams, Goskowski, the kickoff man, the kicker, of course. Brett Kern backing him up at both those spots. Punter Brett Kern, Goskowski backing him up. The holder will be Brett Kern. Ryan Tannehill will back up him as the holder. Long snapper Bo Brinkley. Back up there is Ben Jones. And then here's the most interesting note and the biggest surprise. It's that Khalif Raymond is listed as not only the kickoff returner, but the punt returner as well. Adam Humphreys will back him up as a punt returner. Adoree Jackson will back him up as a kickoff returner, with Adoree being the third string punt returner as well. That is the entire Tennessee Titans 
Titans unofficial depth chart, went over my biggest takeaways, went over some of the questions that I have, and went over my biggest surprise in Khalif Raymond being the punt returner as well as the kickoff returner. So that's what the Titans gave us early on. A lot of things can change. The roster is still in flux until we get to game day, so I will continue to monitor that. We will come back and talk about the Titans elected team captains. dive into the announced team captains for the Tennessee Titans and of course the Titans do vote as a team on their team captains before the start of the season as I understand it, it is two on offense two on defense and then one member of the special teams only core unit so who did the Tennessee Titans players select who was snubbed out of the roster well let's start on the offensive side of the ball and here is where I think the biggest uh, quote-unquote controversy is going to come, and I don't really think it is or should be, but I know that there are some people who will find it that way. And first off, the Titans selected on offense quarterback Ryan Tannehill and running back Derrick Henry. So first off, no surprise with the quarterback. It is common for the quarterback to be the team captain, not only in the NFL, but at pretty much every level of football from Pop Warner all the way up into college and then into the NFL. If your quarterback is not one of your number one leaders on your team, one of the top leaders, and that doesn't have to always be vocally, you think of a rah-rah guy, but a leader does have to speak up. He doesn't have to be in your face all the time, but think about the things that we talked about on the show this year over the offseason. Ryan Tannehill, hey, you need to be 10 yards deep on this route. You need to be 15 yards deep on this route. Make sure that if the defense is in man, you come here. If the defense is in zone, you need to settle here. You wide receivers need to talk to yourselves about your splits and make sure that you're evenly aligned or apart the correct distance. Move an offensive lineman so that their splits are correct. Not allowing their teammates to get confused about different alignments. Understanding what we're going to audible into if we get this look on defense. Ryan Tannehill requires and demands a lot from his teammates and at least being vocal to that level is required to be a leader in the NFL and in my opinion be a leader in most avenues. You can lead by example all that you want, but eventually people will be need people will need to be told what to do. That's just part of leadership telling them which way to do things correctly. That's how it is. So not trying to hate on the previous quarterback, but I have always felt that a little bit of, let's call it vocality, vocality is needed to be a leader in professional sports. And Ryan Tannehill shows that, he displays that, and it's a good thing. It is a very good thing to see Ryan Tannehill elected as captain. Same thing with Derrick Henry. Came in the NFL as a very quiet guy. Seemed very uncomfortable speaking, at least in his interviews. I'm sure he's much more comfortable around his teammates, but a lot of that personality type translates, and Derrick Henry has gotten so much more comfortable talking to the media, and it's only logical that that comfortability has oozed its way into his natural personality and his natural life. It's only logical that a young man coming out of college would mature, grow into the adult that he's going to be, feel more comfortable in his own skin and what he's accomplished, and that allow him to become a 
little bit more vocal. Back to what I talked about with Ryan Tannehill. At some point, you can lead by example all you want, like Derrick Henry always does with his work ethic and the time he puts in. Think about him getting additional work in the sand pit throughout training camp when there's slow periods for the offense, things like that. Derrick Henry is always leading by example, but now as he's matured, he's gotten more comfortable, now he's leading vocally as well, and we really saw that take place with the speech that he gave in the playoffs last year. Woo! I led the show with it. It was my intro. Still one of the the most inspiring speeches I've heard. Made me want to run through a wall for Derrick Henry, and that leadership has obviously manifested itself this season even more. So Derrick Henry, and let's just talk... I mean, the players in the lot, we can talk about what running backs mean and the analytics and how you build a team. The players in that locker room respect the heck out of Derrick Henry for what he contributes to this team. So no shocker that he's a captain. Moving into the snub here, what could be the controversy? Taylor Lewan was not made a captain. And I got to be honest with you, I don't even think he would be the next captain on offense if they selected one. I think it would be center Ben Jones. And listen, Taylor Lewan's maturity and his quote-unquote leadership have been talked about at nauseum for quite some time since he got to Nashville, quite frankly. Along the, the conversation is always mixed in with his penalties and maturity and things like that. Look, maybe Taylor Lewan isn't a tremendous leader. He doesn't have to be. Not every top player on your team has to be a leader if you have a solid set of leaders available. Think about Steph Curry on the Golden State Warriors. I, I've made this comparison last year when I was trying to be optimistic about Marcus. Marcus would be the Steph Curry, and he would have his vocal leader in Taylor Lewan, a Draymond Green. Well, that's not the case here, and and Taylor isn't a Draymond Green, guys, and Ben Jones is more of a leader on that offensive line. Taylor is an ultra-talented guy who's a positive thing in the locker room, positive personality in the locker room, but he's just not necessarily the attention to detail, make sure you're doing everything perfectly correct all the time kind of guy. He's just not that kind of guy, and it's perfectly okay. Back to that Golden State example if the best players on your team, not every single one of them is the best leader on your team. The Titans have Tannehill. The Titans have Henry. They have a guy on the defensive side of the ball that I'm going to mention. They have a Ben Jones. I think the Titans have plenty enough leadership in that locker room. That it's just okay. It's okay if we let go of the idea that Lawan has to be one of the main leaders on this team. He's clearly a majorly influential personality, and that's quite enough. We need his personality. We need his fieriness. We need his toughness. We don't necessarily need him to be one of the top leaders on the team. It's okay that he wasn't voted a captain. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball. Daquan Jones, who who deserves it? I mean, Daquan looked like he wasn't going to live up to his potential out of the draft, switch positions, dealt with injuries, and now he's just a consummate professional. Seen him drop into coverage, seen him rush the passer better than he ever has before, along with his regular run-stuffing duties. So everyone is impressed by Daquan Jones. Anyone that follows the team closely is impressed by what Daquan Jones has become as a, a, a quiet leader on that defensive line, leading someone like Jeffrey Simmons. But just his dedication to getting better every year is really impressive and it's an example that can be set for the rest of the team the next guy sets an example and he he can do it silently but recently you can clearly see especially with some of the social justice messages that have come out from the team in the last few months uh, Kevin Byard 
I mean, what else could you ask from a guy who's a third-round pick from Tennessee, the mayor of Murfreesboro? I mean, Kevin Byard has literally turned into the ideal version. He's hit his max potential. Like, he is everything John Robinson could have prayed for when he took Byard in the third round. He's an all-pro. You got scouts, former scouts and analysts like Matt Bowen from NFL Matchup on Twitter in an article on ESPN saying he would build his ideal secondary in the NFL around Kevin Byard because he can come into the box like a strong safety, like a box safety. Play the back end like a free safety or a coverage safety. Rotate up, rotate down, rotate over. Play the hook curl in a cover two. Play the deep middle in a cover three. Play quarters. Play man against tight ends or running backs. I mean, Kevin Byard will get in your face and run support. He'll blitz. There's nothing that this man can't do. He's a leader on the field. He's a leader off the field. He is at his absolute peak as a player. He's at his absolute peak as a person. And I could not be more proud of rooting for a player like Kevin Byard. As I have mentioned on the show before, he is the only current Tennessee Titan that I own a jersey. I'm not a big jersey guy, but I got Kevin Byard's jersey because I believed in him from day one. Literally the day he was drafted, I said, this guy's going to be special. He's going to be something big. He's going to change this team. And he has become that. And because... Partly because I'm selfish and self-glorification. I believed in him so heavy early on, and he he paid off for me. He paid that bet for me. But now seeing the leader that he's become and the man he's become, uh, he exemplifies everything that it means to be a Tennessee Titan. Kevin Byard, of anyone on this list, deserves to be a team captain. I, I love the guy, and like I said... Couldn't be more proud to have somebody like Kevin Byard on my football team that I get to cover and cheer for on Sundays. And then from the special teams unit, no surprise here, it's the weapon, baby, Brett Kern. So uh, there could be no other pick. Goskowski just got on the team. Bo Brinkley's awesome, but, I mean, Brett Kern's the best damn punter in the league. So Brett Kern is the special teams captain. So that's Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, Daquan Jones, Kevin Byard, and Brett Kern. So that is going to do it for today's show, though. We are going to come back and dive in. I promise tomorrow we are going to dive into that season preview activities, take a look at the Titans schedule week one through week 17, give my win-loss predictions, and also possibly take a look at some NFL season awards. So I will be back with you guys tomorrow to take a look at all of that. On Thursday, of course, we have our crossover conversation with Cody from the Locked On Broncos podcast. So make sure you subscribe, folks. I don't ask a lot. The podcast is free. Subscribe to the Locked On Titans podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. But that's going to do it for me today. As always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked on Titans. Titans.